1: has got the Juicy
0: Scoop.
2: When you're on the road, when you're on the go, Juicy Scoop is the show to know. She talks Hollywood tales, her real-life Mr. Segment serial data, and serial sister, you'll be addicted and addicted fast to the number one tabloid real-life podcast. Listen in, listen up. Woo-woo. Heather McDonald. Juicy Scoop.
1: Hello and welcome to Juicy Scoop. Well, everybody, I am in New York this week. I am so excited. I'm going to be on Watch What Happens Live. Yes. So make sure that you watch that. And then, of course, if you haven't already, go and get your tickets and come to Vegas November 4th. See me Saturday, November 4th at the Venetian for Juicy Scoop Con. It's going to be so fun. Please go to heathermcdonald.net for that. And then also, I'm leaving New York and going to meet your favorite Chris Frangiola. We will be in Red Bank, New Jersey on on the 10th, this Thursday, August 10th. Then we jump all over to Foxwoods in Mashantucket, Mash- and that is August 11th. Then we're going to be in Huntington, New York, on August 12th. And then I enjoy the week in the Hamptons. DM me. Hook me up. I'm so excited. I'm going to be hanging out with my friend Lisa. I'm going to be hang out with Jill Zarin, with Luann. And then I'm doing a show at the West Hamptons Theater on August 18th. And then I come back. But all the shows will be fresh and good. I've got lots of things planned for you. Everything is at heathermcdonald.net. That's where you get all my tickets. That's where you join Patreon. That's where you change your life. Now, for a wonderful interview I did with my good friend Guy Branham, who's kind of new to watching The Housewife. So, we did another deep dive. We did some Juicy Scoop history. We did some pop culture talk and kind of got into like a psychological examination of these women, which I always find so fun and juicy. So, get ready for a great interview right now. And Here's Guy Branham. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Juicy Scoop. This is another special episode of Juicy Scoop History Housewives Edition with a return favorite, my one-time office husband, Guy Branham, writer, producer, actor, model, um, showrunner,
2: podcaster, whatever. What I'm going to say is I I may not be your current work spouse, but like... Like Sonia Morgan, I'm in the blue book. Okay, Sadly, I get to wear the shoes with the McDonald family crest.
1: Sadly, my my current work spouse is my actual spouse, <laughs> which is just not as fun as saying my work husband, my gay husband.
2: But I have yes. to ask, you have like a rich life going on out here, but you are now formally on strike as a writer and an actor. <laughs> have you picketed? just to see and be seen have you picketed just like to see who's out there because it's good some days like some days it's exciting i saw chris pine
1: i know listen i completely support it but this show a couple people asked can you still do your podcast can you still do stand-up some people don't understand how it works yes no podcasting at least for me when i started i completely own and Have sole proprietor, whatever you want to say, over this. So, no, no one can tell me not to do it. Well, and also, so thank and thank God for that for the the last eight years. But yeah,
2: at any point in time, we have four to seven jobs. And it's like, yes, I'm a guild writer. Yes, I'm a SAG actor. But it's like, I'm also that is not going to be my full time job because it's never my full time job. You know, it's like doing podcasts are always part of my life. Right. Like, you know, doing stand up is always part of my life.
1: Good. Well, let's talk about another part of your life, which was you started watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes. And you wanted to just, we wanted to talk about the Kyle Mariso divorce, because I want to ask you, a lot of people know my opinion. I've shared it. But I want to know yours through fresh eyes, being that you're just kind of getting into Housewives now.
2: I think, well, also consuming it in a mega dose like I did, you sort of like see the journey and you see the arc. And- You know, Kyle is the bedrock of Beverly Hills, a fundamentally more stable franchise than New York, I would say. And, like, yes, Ramona's been there forever, but no one's saying Ramona's too stable. Right. But I think that Kyle has been on this journey of being the center and being the heart. And I feel like she does also, in this kind of, like, mid-40s, late-40s kind of way, want... I think she's on a journey. I've heard rumors about some degree of uh, lady-on-lady activity. I've seen a lot of oh, yeah, cowboy that's... hats. Right, yes. Um, and so I think she's wanting an evolving personality. And also, like, you know, like, she has two sisters who are who are sucking up all the batshit. And I think there is a part of her that wants to sort of, like, have the space to grow and explore. And also... Mauricio's got his own show, and I'm fascinated to see, even though I think it is a fundamentally boring show.
1: Buying Beverly Hills with for uh, this with, with some people from his agency. Yes. Now I, I saw that you know uh, Kyle was not at all part of it, and I thought it was because maybe contractually yeah. she couldn't do it. Yes. But I just heard from a good source. No, it was that the network or the producers of it thought that she would draw too much focus from, they wanted it to grow on its legs of like, the daughters are interesting enough, Mauricio's interesting enough.
2: The daughters are interesting. I mean, my understanding of Kyle is so much defined by you in the first season of Beverly Hills in our office saying, Kyle Richards with the hot husband. And just sort of that thing of like, she's got a husband, he is hot, they've got relative stability and you just are like, oh God, I want that. They were able to sell like charming domestic comedy better than anyone else. I mean, like uh, Ken and Lisa are a great comedy duo, but but fundamentally they're having to do comedy with like miniature horses and geese and stuff. And like they had a real, you know, Farrah was, not Farrah, uh, the little one was always good for a one-liner. Uh uh, 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 Portia. Portia, yeah. And yeah. and then also, I think there is something like nothing sells me on a man like him taking your your child from a previous relationship as his own. And the relationship between Farah and Mauricio, like I love so much. When I'm in my neighborhood and I see that there is a listing by Farah Umansky, or <laughs> she goes by Farah Brittany, or something, or, oh, okay. or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like. She like she went into her dad's business, even though it's not her biological dad. It makes me so happy. And so I like you just have to assume that I have to assume he took the relationship for granted too much. And then I don't know. I feel like any housewife situation, there's always suspicion of cheating, and he was the hot one. and I could definitely see him. Like having a little fun and not thinking like it could shake this very sound relationship that he has, you know.
1: I'm okay. So this is so I've said this before, but I'll tell you to a nutshell. It. For the first time, the, just recently um, on a previous episode, I said maybe their relationship wasn't always that great, and they actually were really good in front of the cameras. Yeah. And that they led more secret lives. And she did turn a blind eye to any discretions he might have. But none of them turn into like a girlfriend. It's just like he had fun or whatever. But again, there's still no evidence, real evidence of it. And then also I just think, yeah, I mean, she's evolving like everybody else. She may be attracted to women. She became sober. She lost weight. She's... And then also just with anything I mean the relationship's long maybe she's just like not maybe she's like more annoyed with him and there was and I think maybe like she's not finding him as like fun and charming and not doesn't really want to put up with it anymore.
2: Do you think it's hard to be a real housewife and be sober? Yes. Yeah. I mean, so much of it revolves around having that third margarita. Right. And having yes. a little bit of fun, you know? And
1: so she was. She was a tequila girl, and now she's sober. But I think a lot of them do become sober because as you get older, you should drink less. That's
2: just a fact. And, and then, also, she's been on it for 14 goddamn seasons yeah. or whatever, you know? Like, it's a, it's a lot of time to be sort of, like, going woo Car- Also, Carol- she's
1: never looked better in her life. And what is amazing about today's world is that you can be the cutest you've ever been at like 55 than you were at 25. Because you have a better nose, better teeth, better things, and you know you're thin, like you couldn't she looks amazing. It's
2: the revolution of Real Housewives that it really does sort of center the power and agency and sexuality of women at that age. And like Previously, when you represented that, it was as some sort of, like, joke or monstrosity. And the fact that there are so many of them and so many diverse takes on it, like, you really do have to take it seriously. And, like, Dorit's the best example of, look at a photo of Dorit from when she was 22. Shit was not together. Like, at at 43 or whatever, shit is together.
1: Yeah, and you can, um, yeah, she definitely just had some work done because there's some... Night nurse, plastic surgeon nurse that's saying she wasn't paid, so oh, really? she definitely had something done. No, I mean, yeah, you can look amazing and feel really great about yourself, and then you have all this love. And if you're feeling like then you're not also getting it at home, and maybe you put up with that for a lot of years, and now you're like, no, I don't want to.
2: But I just I wanted to believe in Kyle and Mauricio. I want. Those, like, very stable relationships. Well, the thing
1: is, are they fine? Have they always been like this? But they're like, you know what? Let's let us let the cat out of the bag so that, that people will want to watch this season. And I'm going to be a little more honest okay.
2: about it. Well, like, the notion of you have to go into every season with an idea of what you're going to do that season. The relationship between being produced and self-producing is interesting. Yes. And the notion of Kyle saying, like, Jesus Christ, I'm doing this for the 12th or 13th time. Like, I have to have... Step it up a notch. Yes, because there have also been some seasons when she just tried to do light family comedy and it's a little bit you're getting too full of yourself. like With the dogs? Yes, you're Kyle Richards. You have to cry. And, you know, it really helps when she has a... (gasps) Speaking of crying. Yes. Okay. When Dorit got robbed. Yes.
1: And they went all over Kyle's house that night. Yes. There is a moment that was caught... Um, by several of us, myself included, and people that watch it, where Kyle, where Dorit's saying something, and then Kyle goes, "Oh my God!" and she looks right at the camera <laughs> to make sure that the camera was catching her getting this emotional moment. And the girl has been working since she was four. Yes, so she she can cry. No, and she can she can do this. She can do whatever she needs.
2: Absolutely, she knows how to play the game, but also like, you know, like her, Kim is a better actor than she. It's like yeah. Kim can give you the real thing, but that's also because Kim is drawing from the chaos and she Kyle is so perfect for reality because she has the acting skills to be able to sell those moments, but she also has the producer skills to be, you know, watching and managing all of the dynamics and I think her releasing some degree of character growth to us this late uh, on is, like, kind of impressive. And also, as a gay guy, I'm always going to be supportive of if she and Mauricio had policies, I support those policies. I would much rather they were allowed to fuck around, but also that house and those businesses and those children are something that they take seriously. And it's also, like, I can understand not wanting to be public about something like this. When Portia was seven, but Portia's yeah. like fifteen now, and maybe yeah. can understand, you know?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I've I've said this too. Like, there are a lot more people than the average person knows is living like an open marriage, yeah. where they're just kind of, but they're not. Public. I mean, they're not public figures, but they have money and they have people. And since the beginning of time, people have been like, have your mistress. We're not going to get divorced. I don't care. I don't care to screw you. But in this case, they're like, if they thought it was coming out or whatever, they're like, we can't really hide it because our persona is that we're the hot, sexy couple.
2: Okay. So I need to tell you about these gay guys that I know. Yes. So older gay guy works in fashion and his like no paperwork, long-term boyfriend, okay. 40, m- multiple houses, they are not in the same place very frequently, and the 40-year-old has a career of his own, like does his own thing. And the 40-year-old found out that the fashion guy too much, how,
1: now how much older is the other guy?
2: He's like mid-60s, too okay. much plastic surgery. Okay. Um, But he had another boy mm. in another house but because of medical issues, he hasn't been having sex with him. Okay. And like the 40-year-old got very upset. Yeah. Um, and was like, How dare you? And I was like, when yeah.
1: I You think these are your friends?
2: These are friends of friends. Okay. And when I found out about that, I was like, that's not playing the game. Playing the game is being upset enough that you get something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you need to do. But you're a much more sophisticated, um, like Student of these dynamics. I'm
1: what- well. I don't know. I mean, I do think every dynamic is different. I think yeah. there's some that are like, I don't care at all. And I think there's like a billionaire who's like, listen, you do what you do. You boo. I'm. Mean, I'm not giving you half of my billion. Yeah. But we have kids together. Like, and I think for a while, I think for a while that works until someone really falls in
2: love. Yeah.
1: And wants to be out with that person publicly. Or well, meet that's someone that has even more money and they're like, I can divorce you now because this person wants to be with me.
2: Grabby third party is the thing I think is dangerous. And like, you have to be really impressed if they have been open that like Mauricio has avoided grabby third party. Yeah. Like, because that's, you know, I mean, maybe if this is just a way of saying to the press, like, you might see us out with someone. That's, right. you yeah. know, don't get freaked out about it. But like... I want to think about it in terms of them producing for the show. I literally just came from listening to the uh, Bethany and Jill Zarin podcast. Okay. so
1: Let's let's switch to that.
2: Them talking about. We'll
1: we'll pop up to that. Let's just talk about that for a minute. Them talking about
2: the relationship between what's real and what's spectacle. Okay. um, Was fascinating. And them sort of like so parsing Bethany's arrival to Bobby's Shiva and funeral. Was like really fascinating to think about the ways that they are thinking about those things.
1: Yes. And what was your thought? What, like, listening, what did you think?
2: I was impressed.
1: Do you think it was all, do you really think it was a genuine thing? Or, I mean, listen, it was really good timing on Bethany's part. The new show had just aired and yes. was getting, was being well received.
2: I've, I've not changed my opinion that she's a monster. Like, I've not changed my opinion that she's a monster that with Jill fucking Zaren, who got her on the show, and who with whom she has a real and true, I think, fundamental friendship that she's like set on fire for the last 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. That she couldn't just like create some space for, you know, I was terrible too. She kept saying that she was owning her shit, but she had to be so alpha and controlling about everything. Yes,
1: totally. And
2: Jill was like trying to process, and clearly in that way, you and I both have people in our lives that we have not great, in not great space, and you know, resolution with with some of them would be nice because they're people who mean something to you. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it was hard, but talking about the way that they both acknowledged like when when Bethany was saying I don't know if I would have come to the funeral if it were outside of shooting that like that was part of that she cannot extricate herself from that calculation is so interesting Well oh, I mean here's I did the thing that bothered I did me.
1: respect Bethany for being honest about that. I may not yes. come if I if it wasn't being shot. That I could I can't believe more people aren't jumping on that because granted again happy that you were honest about it but ew
2: Yes But the thing that bothered me the most was that she was like, I'm the Michael Jordan of Real Housewives. And I don't know if you would have made it in the Hall of Fame because you dropped the ball. And it's like. Yeah, she kept doing all this
1: like, you dropped the ball. I handed it to you, fumbled it. Like, oh, God, shut up. Be a
2: little generous, especially uh, at this point in time. But also, but there is something. But also, Bethany is so smart in the way that she expresses it as it is a sport. And the way that each of them has to go in individually with an idea for like that they are coming in with five to seven different narratives and trying to wedge those together into a storyline against each other how much cabaret is going to be there you know how much of heather spank's line is going to be on the show like that every like everybody's trying to play five-dimensional chess with and against each other is such an impressive way of thinking about it. So.
1: But I definitely feel like it, with the New York Housewives, and as, as entertaining as Bethany is, I just don't feel like she's ever truly like cared about any of the other women. No,
2: I mean... And as the, real friends. She really hasn't, and a lot of
1: the other women have, you this, know?
2: Uh, yes, th- that there's actual friendship... Ramona Singer's a goddamn basket case, but she fucking has lunch with people. Yeah. You know? Like, Ramona Singer, and she may talk too much about herself, but there is a way that she is keyed in to these parties. She's, you know, seems to still be having lunch with Heather Thompson, who n- never gelled that much with the cast, you know, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. And, like, I appreciate that. And, like, Bethany, for those first couple of seasons, having somebody with one foot in and one foot out, being really funny, talking shit about them... So valuable when she came back and was just a monster shitting on them constantly, like the existence of her only friends or her paid employees. That half of her scenes were her talking to a chauffeur. You should be embarrassed. Oh, you're about. talking
1: about like um which scene? W- when was that? No, she wasn't in that one. Let me see. I don't know if I have a cast photo of. But okay, I know when what she you came mean. back. And yes, was, when she came back, friends yeah.
2: with Carol for one season, and then right. ate Carol for a season. <laughs>
0: in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's dot com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation, the ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation,
1: Tell me what you thought about the Carol and Bethany dynamic.
2: I mean, it was. Andy is the part of this game that is always hard for me to wrap my head around. Carol was brought in to be a Bethany who you can control more. Beth, She was there to comment and make jokes and everything. And yeah. I fucking loved her because of that. But like bringing Bethany back when there's already a Carol, I understand he was like, let's see what happens here. And that it it just fundamentally came down to, like, Bethany wants to control people. And, like, Ramona, Sonia, and Luann are fucking agents of chaos, and they cannot be controlled, and she can try to use her powers on them as much as she can, and she can make them look bad. But, like, she's only going to do so much, and she just decided that she was going to own Carol, and Carol played the game until she started... Pushing too hard, and then Carol, like the thing is, is I'm gonna say Carol was never really a real housewife until fucking Bethany turned on her. At which point in time we saw how like how far Carol could go. You know, no, yeah, well,
1: that's exactly right. I always I'm friendly with Carol. Yes. and I was like Carol, you, you were the you know until it ended, you had the be- the best of anyone because yes. you were because you didn't have kids. Yes, because you're a widow. Yes. Th- there was n- you weren't risking no, no anything. banister. Yeah, you were <laughs> you weren't risking anything. And you just kind of were having fun. And mm-hmm. you'd make some snarky remarks, but they were pretty funny and they're pretty harmless. Yeah. And you'd be telling this story where you're like, I heard two men, one being Luann, like she had all these funny like little lines, and to the point where nobody was like mad at her or anything. But what happened with Carol and um Bethany kind of, and I don't know how much was on the show or how much been told on my podcast, but this is my understanding remembering it, is Carol, everything was fine. And then Carol left for the summer when they weren't shooting to be with a friend whose husband had passed. And while she was out there, Bethany came, was like, I'm going to come out there. And there was some other friend of hers that was a wife of a very powerful like studio head. And so Bethany was really wanting to meet that woman. That woman didn't want to meet Bethany. So when Bethany came to pick up Carol, Carol came like, bye, got her keys and ran yes. out the door. And then Bethany took that as like a real snub.
2: No, she mentioned it on the show. Didn't invite me in.
1: Yeah, didn't invite didn't. me in, you know, and everything. And didn't like that. And then after that, it was sort of like Carol was kind of blindsided that she was just like on a campaign to make her look bad.
2: Well, what's so funny to me is that it's a mixture of... Of Bethany jilling someone, yeah. saying, Oh, you got something that I want, like, let me get in there. Um, but also with this element of just burning down relationships that feels I forget how much we talked about this when I was here before, yeah. but like, I mean, Bernadette, Bethany's mom, sounds like a piece of work. Yeah. And you get little feelings of the kind like. You know, and I'm sure she had a very, very difficult childhood. But, like, you just get that sense that she is a burn-it-down person. Right. Like, if you're not going to do what I want, I'll destroy you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I definitely. So, do you think these two are going to actually hang out? I'm seeing Jill in in, uh, the Hamptons. And Jill was very, very happy about this whole thing.
2: The thing is, is I think that they have... An organic and human friendship that predates all of this, and I think that they are like there are ways that they are cut from the same. Well, they cloth really
1: didn't and, know it, They really weren't like buddies before the show. But I, think, they
2: they barely knew each other before the show. I think. So I think their energies similar work together, yeah. and I think that like Jill is strong enough to stand up to what Bethany breathes at her. Um, But when I hear things about like, I don't want to go to your gift bag party or whatever.
1: Wasn't that the rudest one? That's what I said. And she said it like three times. I'm like, I I said to Jill, I go, listen, if you guys hang out, without mics and cameras. Yes. Fine, but th- it's gotta be her inviting you. It, it's gotta be her calling you and being like, come to my house, I'm cooking, do this. You'll
2: probably cut this out, but it reminds me yeah. of a former friend of both I, of ours. I will cut
1: it out. Who Keep needs
2: it. to let you know that she's a little bit better than you and that she's real classy. Yeah. And it's just like calm down. We all know where you come from. They come from the same fucking place. You yeah. know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Um, Bethany was was bitching about trying to get a union together for the saying that reality show stars deserve to have a union.
2: Oh, but but she's the one, it was so fascinating to find out that she's the one who ended favored nations for the housewives. You know, it's truly bonkers how little they got paid at the beginning, but like, that truly does help you understand the way that everyone's coming in, that everyone is at a different level, everyone's at a different rank, and you know right, you're
1: right. She had the opportunity to do a union thing, right? And say yes. favorite nations. And it was like, no, I'm gonna be Beyonce. I'm yes. going off.
2: And it's also, I mean, it, it That's is That's what I'm just
1: saying. She's a very hypocritical It's person.
2: the hard state of Bethany right yeah. now because she's like the whole thing was I'm richer and better than you, and now she wants to show you that she's doing Chili's food crawls just like you. <laughs> um y- you know, she she doesn't know quite where to fit herself and it's it's really interesting because she does have such a wonderful natural skill set. Yeah. But like it wasn't the skill set for a daytime talk show. No. She's not Kelly Clarkson, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um it it really is um y- you know, skinny girls a good angle. Um but I feel like there was a more ripe Where would you put her? If you had to put her in entertainment somewhere, where would you put I mean, her? I mean, I
1: think she was the best as a mean housewife. Yeah. As a snarky, mean housewife that could be funny and that could also laugh really hard at somebody else. But, like, no, I don't... I mean, I, I've heard, you know, some of her rants and stuff and they're not particularly funny. But some things that I do are captivating when she does stuff on the show. Like, I she's very smart and talented, but, you know, the best... The perfect fit was Real Housewives. That but was the perfect fit. It was
2: the perfect fit for those first couple of seasons when... Ramona was still able to say, you have nothing and we'll ruin everything. Um, Yeah. To me, as time goes on, I appreciate and respect what Luann does more and more because Luann has this like hard take of a character and such an enormous weakness that is so, like she's a well-written character. She's a fancy countess who will fuck anything, like who really will get down in the gutter. And she's always trying to show you that she's fancy and she doesn't like using curse words, but also the minute a piece of tail comes by, she's, you know, uh, like presenting. And Yes,
1: that is all true. I just hung out with her.
2: She's built a last.
1: And she she gets dudes and she is proud of how many dudes she gets. Yes. And she's not hiding it and she's a little braggy about it and I love it. Good for her. And she's... Gorgeous. (laughs)
2: Gorgeous, <laughs>
1: yeah, stunning. And I'm like looking at her face because we just hung out at um, her friend's house, and it's like she doesn't have any kind of facelift or anything. Yes. She she just is like a very fit looking person. When you she looks are great,
2: when you are hanging around with these people, are you able to be fully yourself? Or yeah, okay. I mean,
1: yeah, and I mean, I have to get scoop. I'm asking for scoop, but I'm also like, this is just you know, I'm keeping the scoop for myself. Some of it, you know, because I know. Like she'll be like, now yeah, this is between us. And and absolutely, that's why I'm able to keep the friendship because I don't – there's so many things that I've known that I've kept secret and then it shows up on the show. And I'm like, well, at least people know when they told me that I know isn't the person that went to Demois or something. Yes. You know, because well, there, also it's fun for people to see it as it comes along. You don't want to know everything.
2: There's something so lovely. Well, and you enjoy it. Yeah. Like you more than – like you love this world and you've turned it into a career. But I also think – you are like an old school anthropologist. You are a participant observer. You go. You can fully participate in their rituals and then remove yourself from it yeah. and comment on it and analyze it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how like um, the future will be. So they there's this new the new housewives. Do you
2: like? Do you like these girls?
1: Um, I do. I I I think. Yeah, you got to take a minute to get to know them, you know. And um, but I, I love their style. I, I think it was smart to do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the second episode, I, I wasn't like it was taking me a minute. They went to the Hamptons, and it was in the winter. And I'm, I'm watching it. But there's this one girl, and you know, she reveals that she hasn't had sex in a year. Uh-huh. Um, her twins are one. Uh huh. And they're all like. And then she says, well, you know, he was my roommate first, platonic roommate. And then one day my mom was like, you should be with him. And so I'm like, "Okay, you now this is the thing. Now you've revealed to the world a pretty big deal. Yeah. That, you know, the sex life needs help. And even if they bone in the next episode and she goes on the reunion and said, since that trip to the Hamptons, we've. Screwed three times, or whatever the world wants to hear, they think is a regular marriage, or whatever. I just was like, oh, this is this one's gonna end badly.
2: Would (laughs) you ever coach if you were allowed to? If you could have like one phone call with a new housewife every week and be their coach, would you do that?
1: Of course, who would I coach on the new? I don't know. There's these new Also, girls-
2: I haven't seen the second episode. Which one? Was it the Israeli?
1: <laughs> no, it was the, the Indian girl who's in fashion. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So she,
2: she, she has the twins. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: she hasn't had a, yeah. So, and everyone's like, you know, oh, get into And then, of course, on the second episode, they have to do the lingerie thing. And I'm just like, no, we're going to get home and wear lingerie. I'm like, there is no girl trip yeah. in the history of girl trips where only on a Real Housewife Girls trip do they then get in like S&M outfits or lingerie. And I'm like, why are you guys letting the producers talk you into it? Yes. I don't care how good your body is. The show is for women and gay men. <laughs> why, like you're not gonna, I don't care that you went on a Zimpik. You're not going to look good in it. Just wear the sweats and be like, no, I'm not wearing the lingerie. Do you
2: think it has to do with some sort of like product placements or anything like that? No,
1: I think they're just... I think the producer, the segment producer or whatever is like, we need to up it. So if it's not yeah. going to be a costume party, let's tell them to dress in S&M and m yes. let us tell them to do some weird no, thing. It's a let's girl's tell...
2: trip. You want to get them drunk and have them do cartwheels. Right. That's what I mean, that's entertainment. Yeah. Um, just but so... even
1: that felt fake. Like, like the, you didn't <laughs> see it, but like one girl was trying to do something like with her legs on a wall, like a twerk, and it just felt like... Oh. I just feel like so many na- so many times now some of these seasons, whether it's OC or whatever, where they're like, "Okay, I clocked in. Let me go down a slip and slide. Let me grab my friend's tits. Let me throw a napkin in someone's face. Let me yell at you. Is it is it is it nine yet? So I'm okay. Right. Two more things, and then we can go. Like that's the way it feels. Oh, that's
2: interesting. The notion of them just trying to like give enough good tape so that they can get out of there. I've I've had where, them
1: say that where uh, they're like. I- what do we need to do to end this? And they're like, someone needs to start something, otherwise this whole night was a waste. I. Uh,
2: <laughs> that's interesting. I'm midway through like, uh, Leah McSweeney's first season. And yeah. And the amount that it feels like she's just trying to matter so hard oh. is like, so frustrating and it's like, Tinsley's right next to her and Tinsley, of course, never mattered. I never yeah. tried to matter. <laughs> um tinsley was so useless um but um tinsley's in love now with in scott real life or with no else?
1: she got rid of scott that's for sure i think she played with the idea of coming back at uh-huh. some point or girls or whatever but no i heard that she is in love with someone who's like rich and good and nice and she's smart enough to be like i'm not going back on housewives and fucking up something well, that could like with me till 90
2: she seems to really want to be on that path and she's so gorgeous and so like cute like you would think she would be able to yeah you know but it is also i i guess it's a harder and more complex path of you know you know being a society person and being married to one of those rich guys um i was like i was reading about her uh she dated um some prince for a period of time, and I'm like, you know, get a title out yeah. of it. Why not? Um, but like, w- watching uh, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Was my friend Matt Rogers loves talking about the people who show up self producing, and there are yeah. ways that like truly, you know, I thought that Lisa Rinna was amazing at creating moments, yeah, and she was really good was. at that sort of thing. But like, that's the kind of producing I can stand by. But like, Leah showing up with kind of, or, I mean, like, I think that there's a real divide between the women who are just batshit crazy, like Kelly Ben Simone, if you will. Yes. And somebody like a Viva who ends up looking crazy, but I think, like, a Vassar-educated um, attorney, who also didn't like getting on planes, had a real idea of how she was going to make herself be interesting on that show. Aviva, you mean? Yes. And, okay. it, and it made her look like a monster.
1: Was Aviva um, an attorney?
2: Yes. I mean, she's a oh. housewife, but she has a law degree. Oh. Yeah. I mean, she brought- I
1: interviewed her and she had told the story. Now it's like a, you know, yes, yeah, she planned on doing the leg and everything. Yeah. And, um, but one of the things that Ramona told me is that the real plan- According to Harry Dubin, who was married to yes. a Data Ramona.
2: I mean, the greatest character in Housewives history. The,
1: the, what she really wanted was to throw the leg, not have someone retrieve it, and then Harry or her husband, I can't remember, would have to carry her out.
2: <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is, like that's like one person who thinks she's smart coming up with a plan, and like it's not entertaining. And I just wonder. I mean,
1: it is an iconic scene, but I think. So do you think when, when, you know, the do you think the producers, because I think it's such a hard thing to play. It's like, okay, I gave you all this. I yelled at this person. I got in this horrible fight. But then the audience turns on them. And then the producers or Andy, whoever, are like, no, you were too bad. We wanted you to be a little bit bad, but you were too bad. So now you're gone. And you're like, well, God, I thought I was doing a good but, show. But, it's such a hard
2: thing. I, I understand. But it's also like performance involves nuance. And like- You know, what you also want are the, like, come to Jesus moments when somebody, like, turns around and comes together again. And just, like, one season of insisting that Carol used uh, a ghost writer over and over and over again, that's not entertaining. Right. You know? Like, um, Like, Kyle finds fucking arcs. Like, good Miss Rinna finds arcs. And, like, Lisa's capacity to, you know, to say, like, I'm owning my shit and then come around on something or someone. Or, like, you know, Luann fought like cats and dogs over the titles with Carol Radswill for the first season. And then the next season, you know, they were hanging out in the Hamptons together. And I think you just have to have... And there are ways that some of the women who don't feel as deliberate or managed... Um, the the raw messiness of a Sonia or Ramona is just sort of more likable, and yeah. and there there's there, there's something that feels artificial. Well, because
1: I will say about those about Sonia, Ramona, and Luann, and I told Luann this too because she and Sonia are doing the show like Crappy Lake, where they go to the small yes. town. and I go, you know, throughout all the years though, you and Sonia and Ramona too never we're never doing that plotting, manipulative like I've got. I've got the receipt here. No. I know what your husband did in 1995. I'm going to destroy your life. Like now with New Jersey, you don't yeah. watch New Jersey. No. Though. But now New Jersey, this last season took this this turn where there was a alleged private investigator involved and they were getting all this crap on everybody else and this person's business and this person's ex-wife who's in prison. and And it just felt like, ugh. And it's all this stuff that like, it doesn't, it's it's better that we see the fight happen or the, or the misunderstanding or the argument or whatever yes. happen organically. And I do feel a little bit with the new housewives. So they go to the girl, one girl's house in the Hamptons. And because they're all so like pretty nice and normal. Yeah. And they've probably been watching these shows since they were like 12 at this point. That like the most you can say is that one girl got caviar, but they still wanted to get a sandwich before they came. Yeah. I mean, the, oh, you're a rude house guest. I'm like, the that's che- just not there.
2: The cheese fight in the first episode yeah. which just felt so low stakes. And I had to tell myself, well, this yeah. is because they're still establishing themselves. And the, the reason that Bad House Guest lands correctly with Luann and Dorinda is that you know it comes from an honest place. Dorinda takes being a good housekeeper so seriously. Right, hostess, yeah. Yeah, and like Luann sees herself as better than fish room or basement, you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Like, you really, I do think, it's it's funny, it's kind of like watching Survivor with like people in newer seasons having to develop newer strategies towards playing the game and winning the game. And I just feel like I would love to see somebody really smart show up, but it also, it takes more than smarts. It also takes relationships. And, you know, I would say, Ms. Bouvet has probably done the best job of showing up. But the Garcelle, thing is, is- yeah. Yes. I mean,
1: yeah, Garcelle is just like a really likable person, and she laid out all her scandal. Yes. So there isn't really anything like for her to do, but she's so- pretty and fun to watch and she's really real.
2: Yes, I mean really real is is the thing and I think that for some of these especially when they're like a 38-year-old with like a decent claim to a career and are kind of pretty, like they feel like they got to be doing something and they yeah. it's not that settled in kind of like I'm just going to you know see where this dinner party takes us and you know find a reaction. What do you think of Miss Sutton? I mean I love that she comes to West Hollywood like I I I think she's a mess she is to me a, a little crazy and overreactive in the way of uh Kelly or Brandy people who I don't really care for um you know like sh- she's all cute in her like, Southern ladiness and making chicken salad is all charming and nice. But at the end of the day, um, she's, you know, calling Crystal's leather pants stupid. You know, at the end of the day, she she will just like escalate so far. Right. Um, And, you know, it's upsetting to me.
1: I do do see that the famous scene where crystal's like i don't know i think you're jealous they're really good friends now in real life now they are but 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 she goes ugly leather pants and i do kind of like that moment because i think she's like wait what the hell's going on and she's frustrated and she's new to the game and i think right when she walked in she thought i'm not into that style of leather pants and so that was like in the forefront of her brain and she said that and i i like that that she just
2: was like Crowd work is working from your <laughs> your immediate visceral reaction, absolutely. But I also think the thing of like, if you come into a, a series of Real Housewives, the person you have your first fight with should be your best friend by your second season. Yeah. And if you're not doing it that way, you're doing it wrong. Like, if you're not doing it that way, you're possibly participating in somebody else's group dynamics, which means they are owning and playing yeah. you.
1: They all look really good here, though. Um, all right, let's go to an older season. What are you thinking? What was, what did you love most about Kim Richards?
2: Um, I mean, I, I loved that there was a dose of real chaos. She is like very similar to the thing that Ramona has on, um, New York of just sort of like, you know, this is a a, a person with demons inside of her and she's going to have very natural organic reactions to things that are going to be huge. And unfortunately in Ki- in Kim's case, it's all just fucking liquor and drugs. And you know, that's, that's really hard. I also think, were you watching it when she was dating the guy that Kyle
1: was just disgusted by? He was so unattractive that she met at her mailbox yes. in Westlake.
2: Yes. Well, and that kind of like desperate. And, and
1: de- did, wait, what, what was it? Um, Brandy said you look like a, um, she said you look like some dog that started Uh with an M. But anyway, um, yes, that night where she was spiraling and she's like, I'm going to have another baby. No. And Kyle was like, oh my God, that's when I really felt for Kyle. Because I was like, Kyle, now it's going to come out and the famous scene of them in the limo and Kyle. And Kim goes, you stole my goddamn house. And you know that it was like everything that Kyle was going through of anything they have put up with or how many times she's covered for her or whatever – during the season or whatever. And she's like, now you're saying on camera that we did something like financially shady or real estate shady when you know it wasn't whatever the case was. That's when she's like, okay, now I'm going to fucking say it. You're an alcoholic.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is you cannot cast for that shit. It, oh, is, the, it is the kind so of thing good. that can only happen from 40 years of sisterhood. And, you know, and like high stakes Hollywood sisterhood. and But those sorts of things of like – the, com- the raw complexity of we gave you a loan against the house and then you never paid us back. I mean, yeah. this is the sort of shit that I've had to explain to you or you've yeah. had to explain to me about uh, going on in your own life. And yeah, it, it, like, you know, it, there's just so much honesty to Kim Richards that there was no part of her that was hiding that she would desperately love to have a man in her life again. Yeah. You know, like she was... Not presentational, she was real. And I think that it gave so much richness to every every well, everyone everyone else seemed realer because they were engaging right. off of the shit that she was doing.
1: Well, you know, I read that Hilton book.
2: Uh-huh. It was so juicy.
1: Came out.
2: That mom right... seems bonkers.
1: Well, I mean, it was very much a woman. I mean, there was a lot to the book, and there was a lot about her character, and it is all other people speaking about her. yeah. So they don't like it. But um, the book got made because at the time Paris Hilton was rising and this guy's like, my God, there's this whole back history to all the Hiltons, like way older than the mother and everything. But I was, I'm fascinated by the fact that the mother, I believe, taught the girls marry well and not just well, like you're, you can afford a home. I mean, go for the richest heir in America. like like she Kim, I mean first Kathy gets the first guy, which is the Hilton. Yeah. that was huge. And you know, he was already massive generational wealth and, you know, and then then Kim, I can't remember. She had she, some good
2: she, gets along the way, had, like her but, first couple of husbands. But it prospects. was like,
1: yeah, and then she had one, and then she was cheating with another before yes. she left with this one and got another rich one. And then she was like, I only want love. And then that guy was involved in like a Ponzi scheme, and then was shot at the Brent Deli in Northridge. <laughs> and then she had another one, and then she, I mean, I, I don't think she ended. I don't think she has a lot of money because none of the marriages lasted, and they were all, I'm sure prenups and everything, so the only money she really got was when they were kids. But
2: I was mostly glad to see, as I learned more about it, that her children had decent inheritances coming their way. That like there was They can somebody... take care of her, I guess. Well, I mean, I, and I, I wasn't thinking as much about like, who's going to take care of her. But I do like, there's something so interesting about everyone's parents teaches them a worldview. And I think also, I mean we just saw the Barbie movie like you know like as a girl you get taught a worldview and approach and you know in the same way that your parents were like you're gonna get a real estate license that's how you survive and there's just something so that like the the grandma Richards like managed to like understand LA enough to realize if I bring my daughters here like they can play this game and they can succeed and like they all really did in one in one way or another, you know.
1: Well, I mean, I it was definitely never anything that like came to mind. And even if I kind of would find out someone at USC or something was like like the Davies, who was would have been um, like a like she's a little older than I am, but there's um, she Kim married this girl's brother. Yeah. Okay. So this girl was at SC of the Davies. And they're like, oh, it's Dana Davies. It's Dana Davies. You know, are you going to go to her party? It's her 21st birthday. She rented out a nightclub. And I'm like, I don't know how I can get invited because she's not in my sorority or whatever. And then there was a a rumor that she married this guy that was like really hot at the school. But then they hired a detective. This is all rumor. And realized (laughs) that he was like cheating on her. So then she couldn't get married to him and all this stuff. And then she... Then there was the Brand- Gummy Bear Davies. Do you remember that whole thing? No. There were like these. There's like Brendan or Brandon. There's somebody else. Somebody just got engaged, and now he's like 43. But there were these, those, the nephews or whatever of this were all the Paris Hilton ages. Yeah. So they were all like so intertwined, and yeah. it's just, and they have so many generations of like. You know, L.A. wealth, which isn't that many generations of it, but well, this
2: is and it. It's also so interesting the way that these things sort of, like, simmer under the surface and these people are around. Like, when you go back, uh, there's this one Instagram account that I follow that you would love that is, like, premieres and stuff from, like, 20, 30 years ago. And you realize all of these people, like, are there and on the scene and dating these people and, like, in that world. Like, actor, like people who didn't become famous until they were in their 40s, but who were regularly, you know, the fact that Kyle was dating, um, you know, C. Thomas Howell or, or whoever she was, like, in a long-term relationship with.
1: Before she got with the Iranian yeah. prince or whatever. Yes. the dad affair, yeah.
2: Yes, but just, and there are these sort of, like, moneyed L.A. people who are sort of, like, swirling around that kind of thing. Like, it is so interesting, but also... S- like so strange and alien the, the fact that you know bethany was kathy's babysitter you know like um it's all just so intertwined
1: and it's like i mean i joke about it too but it's like such a different mom i mean i've said like my mom was just all about like you get an education you make your own money yes you know you know stable
2: don't... man from a catholic background <laughs> but, not,
1: <laughs> but but it was all it was like you know well you'd want to get married whatever but she was never really like pushing like any kind of thing because she just was, she didn't want me to like give up my dreams of whatever that was for a man. And like, but it's interesting too that I also respect a mom that's savvy enough to like research the richest person in the town and put her daughter in front of that boy and know that proximity, you might just fall in love or in these cases you might get pregnant and then have to get married, which is even better because that's a double whammy.
2: Yes, I, I mean, I there there are some people who I've had to deal with um, in. Hollywood, who I'm like, I wish I knew them less so I could just admire them. <laughs> like, I wish because you
1: don't you know them too well, and now you don't like every you don't like their
2: morality or or just sort of like they've just like been mean to people that I know. Uh, one time I tweeted this, and then Mindy Kaling immediately tweeted at me or immediately texted me and she was like, "You're not talking about me." Or, no, I fucking love you. Uh, and then I told her who I was talking about, and she was like, "Oh no, she's the worst." Uh, <laughs> but. That, well, could you tell me what the tweet was about? Um, like, oh, what it kind It of was said. literally me saying like, um, I wish I didn't know entertainment person's name redacted so well so I could just admire uh, her Machiavellian feats from afar or something okay. like that. Yeah. I probably didn't even phrase it that well. Um, but you know, it was like somebody who like, secured the fucking bag. And, like, I I do admire that, but then when you think about it too hard, you're like, why didn't you raise your child to be a person, you know? And it's one of the reasons that I always enjoyed your books and you talking about the world, because you were here in L.A., but also just from a good, like, a family that was trying to take care of itself, and you had, like, that balance between... A little bit of crazy and a lot of stability. I
1: mean, I will say, like, it is is—it is so amazing to me in seeing someone who marries so rich, you know, and sometimes it's real love, but sometimes it's like, so are you really just going to fake it? Like, for the next 20 years, you're just, you're, like, acting like you love this person because you want to go shopping and you have all this stuff. like. But also I the thing of, like, that weird. seems like...
2: like with Tinsley...
1: It's a long with, acting
2: job. But, but with Tinsley, it's like, that is what she wants, is, like, stability. And, yeah. you know, like, um, the the life. And I, I respect it, but I don't entirely understand it.
1: I mean, listen, I know it's... If you don't come for money, it's so hard to, like, think that, oh, my God, in this world, could I even attain anything or own a home or whatever? But, God, I mean... Even the richest people, it gets boring. Yeah. It get you get over it and it gets boring. And if you're not fulfilled like creatively with your work, like let me just tell you something. You're gonna get I mean, even even um Erica Jane, when I interviewed Erica Jane, yeah, she thought she hit the jackpot, married Tom Girardi, 25 years older than her, or 30 years older, whatever it is, and She literally said at a certain point, there's no other place I could go to. Yeah. No other bag or jewelry that I could buy. And she was totally bored. And then that day some postcard came for some guy's wife who was doing a cabaret and the guy putting it together, she knew from Atlanta or something. Yeah, And she was like, what are you doing? And he's like, if you want to do something like this, we could put it together. Oh, you have the money to do it. And that, then she started doing it. That's really
2: wonderful because I think so many people try to make entertainment for themselves by stirring up drama. Like, bored people make drama. And I think you're so much less likely to be bored if you have something that you love, that you, like if you have a career that you are interested, if you have a passion, if Mm -hmm. you, you know, if you have something in your life that gives you meaning, you don't have to just talk shit about other people.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, but you know, being the rich wife and all that stuff, like who's really your friend? Do you really... I don't know.
2: It's just kind of um... – well, uh, I read the I read the book that Sex and the City was based on. Oh, yeah? I, and just the way that Candace Bushnell talked about, like, there are only so many guys in New York. It was just like – th- there's just a way that, like, your view can become so narrowed. And, the, it, it, like, it is kind of cute when they talk about Sonia or Dorinda back when they were, like, girls on the town and realizing yeah. there were a limited number of women who were, like – running in these social circles. Or like when you would talk about, I remember you talking about the OJ stuff and you talking about like Faye Resnick and, you know, just sort of being like the girls of Brentwood. But like so much of that requires just like narrowing your view, like coming to a point like, you know, when the housewives have to go south of Canal Street and they all whine about it. And it's like, maybe you could remember that you live in an interesting city and can deal with people other than fucking Harry Dubin. You know? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, very. Wait. So, are you watching? Since we're just talking about, um, you just talked about Sex and the City. Are yes. you watching? And just like that?
2: Of course. Of course. Let's
1: get your take on and just like that.
2: Um, oh, isn't it sad? On behalf of everyone, I'm, I'm going to s- go
1: to. I'm going to go to the
2: picture real quick. Okay.
1: Um, because I just. Why not? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm
2: so sad for those characters that I love because, like. Michael Patrick King doesn't appear to be trying. Yeah. I mean, he has so much money from Sex and the City and Two Broke Girls that like why would he try? But also why why are you doing this? Like the fact that Miranda has spent how many episodes in the background of episodes like fumbling yes. dildos or whatever, like this woman who was a capable like <laughs> smart attorney has turned into a joke. And then the way that like The episodes used to be so elegant. Wait, I
1: have a question about that. Yes, Miranda being the actress Cynthia Nixon is an out lesbian. Been with her wife or whatever for like so long. Why? Why do you think she is playing it like like even if she was a new lesbian? Okay. Like, couldn't she act like she was a little like more like not so goofy like couldn't she act like she was a little more like trying to okay I'm gonna try to be more hip I'm like well they're ugh, not you, like, I guess sometimes when they're having a sex scene she's acting like she's hot for her but you're right like, the the comedy of it is just so the, lazy. The
2: writers aren't giving her anything. They go so far out of their way to excuse <laughs> Che Diaz's worst behavior. Like, you know, when they the three-way started and it was so clearly something that Miranda wouldn't be into. And they were like, uh, oh, no, but Che behaved perfectly the whole way. And, like, I get – What no, about
1: that, though? Let's talk about that. The three, and then she was like, no, you, you guys go ahead. You – You know, it's like almost like, do you want to go, you know, go on, do you want to go on this roller coaster ride? And you're like, I'm a little scared. but you guys go on it. I'll just wait up by the exit. That's what it was like. It was literally, I'm like, you, this is your girlfriend. This is her ex-husband. And you're just going to allow them to have sex and not be like, wait a minute.
2: No part of that would she have ever done for Steve. And maybe it's because she loves Che more, but I think it's because they're trying to like, Creates this sort of like, you know, per like sort of like flawless non-binary character, so that they're yeah. not making a non-binary character seem bad. But it's also creating a character who isn't a character. And the way that like you used to have four plot lines that all thematically threaded together in some way, whether it was just some fun pun or turn a phrase or something. Yeah. And now having six plot lines, they don't give respect to any of them. There <laughs> is like, it truly is like um, uh, Sarita Chaudhry. What's her name? The realtor. I just call her the realtor. The, the realtor. She had a plot line that was sh- like, she lost her purse and then she found it. And like, what are we supposed to get from that? It's, <laughs> you know, it's like one of these, the law professor. And
1: also that exact storyline happened to
2: Samantha. Like, well, they're so clearly trying to position her as the Samantha. Yeah, yeah. But, like, um, Miranda's law professor, she, like, there. W- Miranda went to L.A. for, like, four episodes. And this character was, like, out on a limb having no relationship to these other people. And it's like, at least Real Housewives does the job of trying to build an idea of these people are friends. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I do kind of feel like... Charlotte and the lady who makes documentaries sort of aren't getting it as bad, but maybe that's because Charlotte was a goofier character to begin with. Yes. Um, But like, I want Carrie Bradshaw to be smart, you know? I want Miranda to be smart. And they've sold them short, and it's kind of unfair to women in their 50s, you know?
1: I don't know. I just have to say, like, the last episode, I was gonna... I was getting ready to talk about it and I was like, literally couldn't remember anything that happened. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait, what happened? And then I was like, oh, that's right. Charlotte's daughter wanted to have sex. Yeah. And she had to go in the cyclone to get the condoms. I'm like, I literally couldn't remember anything else from the episode.
2: So I'm like, I'm a little bit worried, but uh, Aiden's coming back. So like I never liked Aiden. Um, I controversially, uh <laughs> burger is my favorite of Carrie's boyfriends.
1: I just saw when we were at the Barbie movie, the preview for uh My Big Fat Greek Wedding oh, 3. Jesus
2: Christ. How do you, as a- I
1: mean, I have to say, not one chuckle. Not just for me, from the entire audience. It just did not look funny at all.
2: As a former Groundling Sunday company. Yes. You <laughs> must be dazzled that somebody managed to turn her Groundling One Woman show into three separate movies. I believe it was Acme. Oh really? And
1: you know the story, yeah, she did her one woman show and someone saw it and was was Greek, Greek and was like it was I, I got to get Rita Wilson to oh, come see okay. it. Then Rita Wilson saw it. Yes. And it all went from there and no, I so admire her and she is every time I've seen her at anything, she could not be nicer. And I'm kind of sad she got divorced, though.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. Because, it, like, she's one of those couples, her, her and also Melissa McCarthy are, are like, these, like, groundlings couples that I believe in. Yes. You know? Well,
1: yeah. I'm pretty, I'm like, almost positive that she married. So the girl in my, what is her name? My big Greek, what's her name? Oh. let lead.
2: Uh, her name so is our Dallas.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah, her husband, they had a child. Uh Then she, after that, you know, it was so hit. She got the sitcom, of course, that didn't make it. She was always on talk shows. And they're like, you have, you got $2 million and you still live in your little, like, Studio City home. And she's like, yes. And and then he worked on other shows. And um, they adopted a daughter. And then, no, they got got divorced. He was on the
2: Drew Carey show. Um, But, like, yeah, I mean, it is just that rough thing of, like, did you watch Connie and Carla? No, what is that? It was her, one of her two terrible follow-ups to My Big Fat Greek oh, Wedding. Okay. It was her and Tony Collette, and it was the improviser's inclination to have two characters who are exactly the same, which I don't understand why you Was this guys... a
1: movie or a TV show? It was show? a
2: movie about two women who have to run from the mob so go to West Hollywood and pretend to be drag queens. And it was terrible. So, uh,
1: oh my God, like uh, a reverse white chick. Yes.
2: Um, And, uh, like, it was bad. And I just feel like why why (laughs) she kept getting chances is a little crazy to me. Um, And why she didn't sort of, like, don't you feel like there was a point in time when she could have gone and been supporting on a sitcom and, like, gotten in there?
1: Yes, but I also just think, yeah, that's what's hard. No, I just think it's a hard thing. I just think... When they are casting for those supporting roles, they they always go for, um, who who is Carrie Fisher's sister, Jolie? They always just go
2: for Jolie oh, Fisher, yes, or Heather Dubrow. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they just always go for someone that they know that they can deliver it. That's not going to yeah. overshadow. That knows how to learn her lines quickly, and it's a safe bet. And they always would just go for the safe bet. It seemed like like yeah. it was so rare that like a, they'd give the part to a new person. Yes, and I'd be like, God, this person got another pilot, and they just always got the pilots over. I remember, um, uh, what' was it? least No, Leah. Leah Remini. Yeah. Like when I read her book about escaping Scientology, it was like this boohoo book. But she got. I remember she was like, and then I got my thirtieth pilot. I'm like, you yes. shot thirty pilots and it was like boohoo but none of them have been a big hit until um king King of of queens Queens. i'm like but you were obviously making a solid living and all these people were saying yes to you and all of us were getting no's no's and no's yes um but wait i wanted to go back because you said white you i said a reverse of white chicks yes and i don't know if i've said this in a while but i did it an interview recently and somehow the guy brought up white chicks and and I go, oh, yeah, I love that White Chicks. And for those that you don't know, that don't know, I, I was working on another movie. And it was ba- It was basically a parody of, like, the movie Signs and stuff. It was going to be, like, uh-huh. an alien parody. And then they found out that, like um, – Was that for Harvey- Keenan? Yeah. And then yeah. they found out that the people that screwed them over on Scary Movie 2, uh-huh. which was the Weinsteins, I guess, yeah. they were going to make a Scary Movie 3, and they were parroting alien movies.
2: Oh, and that's after we wrote the whole thing. So I didn't know that the Weinsteins. I uh, think
1: it was Weinsteins, I'm not sure. Oh wow. I'm like I'm but, trying to remember. But that's so hard. So yeah. then they were like, oh my God, they're writing because they yeah. wrote one and two, then they parted ways. Yeah. And then they're like, let's do another parody. Let's do parody a yeah. uh, parody of alien movies. And uh one of my friends who worked on Keenan brought me in because Keenan was like, there's always a single mom character, yeah, like in these alien movies. So we want to have a single mom character. so Heather would be good to write for that character. Yeah. So when you try to come up with like the stuff. So we finished that and we're like, we find out we're gonna like shelve it. And I'm like in this office waiting for Keenan, and I see that there's like a dead, I didn't subscribe to like a whole yeah. variety or anything. And I see there's a Variety article that they had sold a show a movie called White Chicks yeah. based on two FBI agents that pretend to be white chicks like Paris and Nikki Hilton. Yes. And I go, when is you working on this movie? Because, oh my God, don't you need at least one white chick consultant? Yes. Like, so then, so then anyway, we did, so we did the movie. That's, yeah, so that everyone, anyone that knows, I got to be in the movie too and we wrote the movie and that was all fun. So it's a hit. So people always ask, is it going to come? Is it going to come back? Yeah. Well, in the last six or seven years, It was like, well, God, I don't know that it could come back with everything with the trans Americans and trans people and trans everything. And, but I always thought the storyline had to be once, you know, we were talking about in the last 10 years, anytime I could, like, someone would ask me, I'd say, no, it has to be that they're the FBI agents, okay? But, there is a crime or a murder or something happening within the real
2: housewives. Oh, that would be so much fun. So
1: then you have all these, you have all these different housewives and like, it's gotta be white ones, right? It's gotta be something like New York or Beverly Hills, but then like Nene makes an appearance and like, uh, they're like, we went to the wrong franchise. Why don't you take
2: that out with them?
1: (laughs) They want to get in the, I mean, I guess, you know what I'm thinking though? Like, I wonder if they would even have to wear the masks and makeup anymore. Um, like, could we just do like a CJ? Because I know they hated getting ready. Oh, really? In the makeup. That was so long. But, like, yes. that is what I think could be. Not such if Fran a Drescher funny. has
2: her way, Heather. Okay, if good. If Fran Drescher has her way, we won't be able to do uh, a like yeah. AI character likenesses. Yeah.
1: But with Andy Cohen and everything, and I actually think. You know, with trans women and drag queens and stuff that are so popular today, I think that could be incorporated in the movie. No, absolutely, S- such a clever, funny way that isn't offend because the movie well, didn't offend anyone, right? And to the and you know,
2: and I think as as people get more inclusion and as we move further away from like these traditions of really terrible like jokes and mockeries of people, everybody right. is able to calm down enough yes. and be able to sort of like enjoy the joke again because like. White chicks is not in any way commenting on the trans experience or parodying it anyway. No, in any no way. not at all.
1: Like, and, <laughs> and people would be like, Well, is it okay that they wore white face? I was like, uh yeah. Do you think one white chick had a problem with that they there was like a a bulimic joke in there? I'm like, No, we fucking didn't, you know, well, like f- hence why we we're writing it. And then there was a lot of jokes that they were coming up with that, you know of course, was fine too. You know, that Terry, Terry Cruz's character only liked white chicks, (laughs) you know, like so that type of thing was just so like fun. I remember, you know, I just remember this one of the nephews was like working on it and he goes, and they're pitching jokes and one of the nephews being one of the Wayne's nephews, which I can't remember which one, but it was funny. And he was like, um, well, you know, that expression, you know, once you go, um, once you go black, you never go back, or yeah. whatever. He's like, I just thought it'd be funny if someone says, Well, you know what they say? Once you go black, you end up in a wheelchair, and then there you go, and then a girl in a wheelchair comes by and is like, Hey, Terry. Or whatever. Like, <laughs> and like then that made it right into the movie. That's like very and so there there's like such funny things that, that if we overthought it yeah. and like picked it apart, it would never be there. Well,
2: I really hope that Barbie returns us to a place of like remembering the place of fun and play in comedy you know what yeah. i mean like it engages with so many questions about gender and feminism but like doesn't purport to know too many answers right um and you know j- just as fun and like talks about the ways that we are all you know that we all exist in the system do
1: you um i talked about this with Brandon and Julie do
2: you think there'll be a barbie too uh, like Truly, I hadn't even thought about the ramifications of it, but Mattel already announced what their slate that basically Mattel and Warner Brothers are going to try to roll out like the way that Marvel and Oh it's Marvel, and, yeah. And, uh Disney have. Um, and like I'm sure they're going to try to do a Barbie two, but the thing is is it won't be fucking Greta Gerwig because Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach are gonna go off and make other good, interesting movies.
1: I know. And it's not it's it's not going to be the same.
2: Yeah. And it's kind of going to like, I mean, it can't
1: be the same if it's Bratz. Bratz can't yeah. be it. Cause those were just sluts trying to get into the bar <laughs> that now have the face of everybody. But like, you know, like it's different. Like it's, it was such, it was such smart writing. I just, I don't know how you can really yeah, and do w- it again, but I think that they will.
2: Of course they will because they they think will. That and money. It'll,
1: it won't do as well, but it'll still be worth it.
2: Yes. And the thing is, it's like, I'm so pleased that we had a weekend at the box office where things were making money and everybody remembered that it's fun to go to the movies. Yes. Um, But I just worry that they won't take that lesson back to these IPs and they'll just churn things out the way that, like, truly, do I need another Ant-Man and Wasp movie? You know? Oh, I I saw that preview. Like, it's just, there's so many goddamn superheroes out there.
1: Sometimes when I see these movies, do, are they creating them now, or are they still all existed
2: before? I, they're all existing IP.
1: They all exist. So, and then, but then they just change it, so they make it fun. Like this one now is, you know, Mexican.
2: Was he always Mexican? I well, the thing is, is in those comic books, they've had so many iterations that so many of the times, like um, Ms. Marvel, uh, is it Ms. Marvel was a couple of things, and along the way, one of the iterations was like a Pakistani Muslim girl, and so the the Disney series is the Pakistani Muslim girl version, but she was a white girl at other times. Captain Marvel was a dude for extended periods of time, um, but then he was, uh, or Captain Marvel was a woman, and that was the one that they used for the Brie Larson movies. Uh, um, it's basically like, it's kinda like soap operas.
1: I don't know, I never go to these movies, by the way.
2: But you know how <laughs> in soap operas, different people play yes. the same characters? Yes, yes. That's kind of how comic books work, even right. though there aren't actors. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Interesting.
2: I'm so tired of those.
1: Well, let's see if there's any last thing to talk about with you. Um, What did you think of Alex McCord? Let's just end on that.
2: I I miss the bonkersness of they were so, they were so terrible they were so ill suited to it the fact that they like now live in obscurity in australia and simon is a lawyer is crazy like there was something really fun about seeing these people who like were she's t- going to come out back on a girls trip i just remembered I, I mean i'm excited for that and i like i like them getting to have another dose of fame and excitement, especially because yeah. they built this franchise. Like two of the women here, Kristen Takeman did not build that franchise. No. She she brings nothing to the table. She
1: comes back on Ultimate uh, Girls trip too.
2: Yes. I, I can't imagine she does anything useful. Um but uh, she's
1: pretty nice though. And she's pretty cool. I think I, I heard she does. I heard I mean, it is de- nice
2: what we're looking for. In I don't house-wise. know. I heard it
1: does come about. I, and the thing is yeah. is like
2: Alex never had it in her to be mean, which yeah. kind of made me you know, which meant that the other girls ate her up. But, like, you know, like, I love that there are those bonkers energies. And I wish that they were – that some of these women were a little bit better at, like, I don't know, like, launch a line of something. Like, can't you – I want her to get a little rich off of this in some way. Like, yeah. And I feel like she just doesn't have the skills. I think they for also
1: it. make it really hard to launch something, too. Uh-huh. Well, I really think they do now, too. I really think these new girls – if they are, if they already had something, established, so they're just going to be a little more famous, and then you got to make your money off of being famous. Yeah, and it's so no, like I think it's harder than people think. Yeah, it re- especially now because it's like people are like, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to have a, you know, a lotion line. You're going to have a blah 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 blah. Well, like, and is everybody really, really running to buy someone's like?
2: So many of them are so pathetic, but also like <laughs> they've given like they've given so much time to all of Sonia's ventures and they're all so fake. And I wonder if that's why they give them time is because like Sonia's not making money off of the no, toaster oven. I
1: think she just isn't good about the follow through. Yeah. I think someone else that was given, the, that had the toaster oven idea and wanted to really go for it yeah. could have executed it and made some money. Because if you think about it, like people, if it was a really good toaster oven you got with a really good company and she was just a spokesperson of like let me tell you, let me show you everything yeah. that you can make it a toaster oven and you never have to get a regular oven. I think it, like she could have sold a lot. But
2: it's also that thing of like good management. Some like if Sonia had a better if yeah. a better manager. But also in those earlier seasons they well no by the time she showed up they had to have been making decent money no I just don't
1: think she's a businesswoman. she always gets somebody to to, do a dress liner with or something and then it doesn't last and then she just moves on to something else
2: Alex and Simon were such a wonderful role on the show but it's not you wish it were the kind of skill set that she could take and apply to an Australian series the way that like Taylor showing up in Orange County I'm very excited for but like she and Simon were like comedy side characters who who created trouble for other characters. Right, they just Uh,
1: thought they were like above it all, but he was, yeah. Are you watching OC? Uh,
2: I'm not watching OC. Yeah,
1: you're not. Yeah, you're not missing that much. I'll never stop. I'm going to watch it tonight. (laughs) But it's not, yeah. It's, they're, yeah, I don't know.
2: Don't you, like, I, one gains such power from building their life around the things that they love and I really love that you have been able to build Juicy Scoop and the Juicy Scoopers so much from the things that meant a lot to you. You like, I
1: think it's, a, there's been a lot, there's been enough fun that these women have given us that it's like, even when something's kind of boring or someone really misbehaves or whatever, I'm like, who cares are still entertainers like yes like i'm always going to be nice to them i'm never going to dislike them but
2: we definitely know people in comedy whose comedy who work very hard and are very successful but their comedy is based on something of a false persona right and i think it is never as fun as hearing like what like what pisses you off or what pisses natasha leggero off these things are coming from people's souls
1: (laughs) absolutely guy Tell everybody where they can get more of Guy Branham in their life.
2: I am at Guy Branham on uh, all social media and please watch Platonic on Apple Plus.
1: Oh, yes.
2: Uh, yes, I am in seven of 10 episodes.
1: Wait, I have not started watching that and people tell me to watch it. How could I not watch it? Why didn't you remind me more? Hey, okay, Platonic, Apple Plus. Okay, that's a good one. Yes. You, um, you will, oh, wait. Oh, you God, will like it because it is
2: fundamentally about, it is fundamentally-
1: Sorry, finish your. It's fundamentally
2: about a woman in her forties, like getting her youngest kid to school age, and then asking, "What the fuck am I doing with my life?" Okay, Uh, but it's told in a in a weird, fun way. I look forward to hearing what you think.
1: Um, okay, guy, I
2: love you. I love you. Follow, guy, guy,
1: (laughs) and hopefully the strike will be done soon. In the meantime, in the meantime, you can watch Platonic. You can follow him. Do
2: you do Threads too? Oh, I need to go to Threads and Blue Sky. I haven't done it yet. What's Blue Sky? I think it's for-
1: oh god, no more. I I'm know. So tired. Know.
2: <laughs> so tired. Okay, <laughs> love you. Bye.
1: So, you guys, I hope to see you soon at my East Coast shows with Chris Frangiola and Ashley. Let me also remind you, for my California peeps, we are doing a live juicy scoop, Sacramento in Sacramento. Um, September 29th and San Francisco, September 30th with Chris. All these are with Chris Frangiola. Everything is at McDonald.net, including get that ticket and get your plans together for the greatest Las Vegas weekend ever, November 4th, Saturday. I'll be at the Venetian with a live Juicy Scoop. Thank you.